Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, where you're listening live, you're watching and listening on YouTube.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, as well as on Facebook.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. All inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Once again, this is Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and I am honored and privileged to welcome this guest for the first time ever to wake up call with Dan Tortora, and that is Mr. Ren Baker. Ren Baker coming to us from North Texas in the mean green as the vice president and director of athletics over at the University of North Texas, who has just announced recently that they'll be joining the American Athletic Conference. So let's bring him in. Ren, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I've listened to your uh show a few times but as you mentioned it's my first time to be on so uh, I'm excited to join you well you know and I I appreciate that I did not know that uh, that you had listened before so uh, let me preface everything by saying that uh, that that means the world to me and I appreciate the fact that someone as busy as yourself took a few moments to listen to the show so thank you for that you bet always uh, always happy to try and learn any any way that I can I know you've been having some of the ADs on so that's uh, we're excited that you're doing that yeah, you know, and, and very excited to speak with you today about North Texas. But before we go anywhere, I do want to make note of the fact that when the announcement came from the American Athletic Conference, who I've covered since their institution, really to 2012, 2013, when realignment was happening and whatnot, the American uh, didn't have a logo, didn't have a name. The Catholic Seven had taken the Big East moniker and the logo and all of that. Within that time period, to where we are today, I've been covering the American Athletic Conference and built a relationship with Commissioner Mike Oresco. And then a few weeks ago, on my birthday, October 21st, news comes out from the American Athletic Conference. And not only does it happen on my birthday, but it's during my show live in the morning for Wake Up Call. So I got to make the announcement on my birthday. So all I had to say was that you timed it very right for North Texas to be joining the American Athletic Conference. You gave me good news on my birthday morning, so I'm going to say thank you for that. Well, happy birthday! That that was really as we talked to Commissioner Resco and uh, everybody else, the American. Everybody agreed that the the sole purpose of the timing should be so that uh, you could get a nice birthday present. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Red. I appreciate that very much. I, I want to start with, you know, we're going to go throughout your history and, and kind of Tarantino this thing a little bit, but I, I want to start with something that just hits me first and foremost, and that's Mean Green. When when you see that, what does that mean to you? Who are the Mean Green? What does it mean to be green, essentially? Well, I think uh, that uh, when, I, when I think of Mean Green, I think of certainly lots of... Uh, tremendous athletic tradition and and history but really i think of a university that is very diverse um sitting right here in the heart of the dfw complex um that uh is a community over forty thousand students uh and that that all identify with mean green it's something that uh is unique to us uh it's something that our our fans and our graduates our alums uh, are very much, um, you know, very proud of. Uh, for a long time, 
uh, in North Texas was just known as as the Eagles, and we still do have an, an eagle tie, and our mascot's an eagle. But uh, that that mean green is something that's really unique about us, and certainly it stands out when you start going through uh, the names of teams around college athletics. Yeah, you know, and and when you see that logo, and you see you know you see the eagle, you see the bird there, and then you and then it's mean green. Do you ever have to kind of like? navigate somebody through it when you say well we're the mean green we're not the eagles but this is our logo do you do you do you think that you know that's kind of a story you've had to tell a little bit deeper because the logo and obviously the the moniker a little bit different we do uh but you know it's it's we see that as an asset it gives us a chance to differentiate and stand out um you know above the uh above the crowd and um, you know when you think UNT, which is something university is a brand the university uses, or even um, North Texas, there can be some some uh, you know some confusion on exactly who and what that represents. Is it the region, right? Or or um, you know, but but when you say Mean Green, anybody who follows college athletics knows uh, exactly uh, who it is. If I wear something branded uh, through the airport. Um, you know, people will always say, how about the mean green or go mean green or, you know, or, or, or whatever. So I think it's become something that really sets us apart and is unique from a branding uh, standpoint. Um, and, and the opportunity to explain it uh, really just gives us a, a chance to educate people on the university uh, and, and the athletic department. Probably the explanation we have to give the most, though, is that um, we did not actually take the the nickname from Mean Joe Green. Uh, <laughs> it was a nick started when Joe was a was a player here. Our defense was really strong at the time, and I believe it was the wife of an SID who would who kind of started saying, "Come on, uh, Green, let's get mean." And then she then from there that morphed into Mean Green, and that become uh, that become a thing. Uh, and so Joe wasn't. Did, was it uh, nicknamed Mean Joe Green until after he was gone from here and was at Pittsburgh? He he didn't get that name until he was in the NFL. So um, that that one people get a little bit confused on sometimes just because Joe has such a brand of his own as Mean Joe. Uh, but again, that's just an opportunity for us to to educate and explain something. And and you know, I always feel like that means people are paying attention and they want to know more. So that's a that's a that's a positive thing for us. Yeah, speaking here with Ren Baker this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, VP and Director of Athletics at the University of North Texas. To look at the the history of North Texas, what can you say about some of the alumni that that this school has has been able to connect itself to? When you look on the history of the Mean Green, who are some of those people that you really think should be known in the community that that you feel maybe are pillars of what it means to be Mean Green? Well, we have a, a ton of well-known and, and prominent uh, alumni, uh, but but probably where uh, the most unique thing about our alumni base is just the number of prominent and successful musicians uh, that we have. We have one of the best music schools uh, in the country. Uh, I mean, annually we'll have students that are, have been nominated for Grammys uh, in different categories. And so um, when you look at our alums, uh, Don Henley from the Eagles, uh, Pat Boone, um, Meatloaf, Nora Jones, the Eli Young Band. Uh, you can just go through uh, a who's who of, of musicians from just about every genre, and um, and there's a lot of them from North Texas. We have 
a lot of broadcast uh, journalism uh, majors, tons of, of uh, both broadcasters and writers um, who were out in the uh, market that came from uh, the university. And then, um, you know, we have prominent alums in other fields as well. Dr. Phil uh, is, a, is a UNT alum. So, um, you know, we, uh, we continue to, to produce um, a lot of great graduates across, you know, when you have 43,000 students, you have a lot of degree plans and, and a lot of different, uh, a lot of diversity in those offerings from an academic perspective. And so every year uh, we have more and more uh, successful graduates and we're really proud of them. Yeah, you know, and, and it's incredible to be able to tell the story of North Texas here today for the first time on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, which means a lot to me. So uh, for you, you you came to North Texas and accepted the job of Vice President and Director of Athletics on July 29th, 2016. To go back to that point, what made you make that move in late July of, of 2016? What was it about North Texas that you felt like it was the right place for you in your career, the right time for you to come here. What what attracted you to North Texas? Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, one uh, first and foremost. I, so I, I'm married uh, to my wife Heather. Uh, of uh, let me get this right. I believe it's 15 years, um, and uh, we have two <laughs> young daughters. They're 10 and seven now. So uh, they were. Uh, I guess I would have made them like five and. Uh, uh, two or three uh, back uh, when we made that move. And so this was close to home. So from a family standpoint, it was within three hours of every family member that, that we have. And we had moved uh, quite a bit leading up to that point. And it had been some time since we were close to family. So when you have young, young children, that's always a factor. Uh, but then just looking at all of the things that the university had to offer here, um, and we've talked about a lot of those as, as we've profiled the university here uh, early, and then what the athletic department had to offer. And, and you know what I saw was an athletic department that had um, almost limitless um, potential, um, and, and yet um, you know had a, had a lot of room to grow into that potential. And so uh, we have uh, we hit the ground running. And, doesn't seem like it's been five years ago, but uh, we've built a lot of facilities and, and made a lot of improvements to infrastructure. And, um, you know, you look back over the last five years, and I think uh, our top four best seasons ever in terms of overall winning percentage across all of the, all of the sports programs have occurred in these last five years. So uh, we're very proud of that and very proud of the success that we've had, not just in the revenue sports, but also in our non-revenue sports uh, over the past few years. And, and Ren, when you, when you say that, when you look back at the last five years, since you took the job July 29, 2016, a little over five years ago, and then you said like within these last four years to see the records that you've had with student-athletes and your athletic programs being the best that you've ever had, within your time period, seeing that rise and that elevation – in athletics at North Texas, what can you attribute that to? It's alignment, uh, and, and you you hear people talk about that uh, sometimes. But uh, I, you know, for for me, uh, we came in, we we did a thorough assessment, uh, and we built a strategic plan that wasn't just my plan or even athletics at, at leadership or administration's plan. We had people from across the community, from across 
campus uh, from our uh, um, colleagues of mine on the president's cabinet that were all involved. Uh, you know, let's build a comprehensive plan to get to where and roadmap to get to where we want to go. And and so what came from that plan was from our system chancellor and our regents down to the president uh, and and ultimately to me and his and his cabinet um, and on down to our head coaches. Uh, there is great alignment in where we're going how we're how we're going to get there what the priorities are and um you know i think when you have that uh it it really helps progress go very quickly early in my career i started an athletic program uh from the ground up um and people assume you know that was a heavy lift but really it was one of the easier jobs i ever had because everybody came in uh with that alignment and shared vision uh, you know, I was recruiting people who were committed to doing things the way that uh, we wanted them done. And then over the years, as I've went into more established athletic programs, um, I've I've seen uh, how important it is to recruit people into uh, that vision and that alignment. If you just try to force that, uh, it, it just doesn't work uh, the same. And so, uh, I think what 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 happened here in North Texas is um, as we were coming in. Uh, Everybody was at a place where they really wanted to improve the athletic program uh, to make sure we were providing a championship-level experience in all aspects for student-athletes, and and everybody was committed to do that. And once we had that strategic plan pulled together that uh, had buy-in from all these different segments of our our, uh, stakeholders because they were involved in putting it together, we've been able to make a quick progress, and we're really proud of it. Speaking here with Ren Baker, the VP and Director of Athletics at the University of North Texas, to go back in time, and we'll come back to everything that you've done at North Texas, but to go back to kind of your beginnings here from Valiant, Oklahoma, earning your bachelor's degree from Southeastern Oklahoma State in 2001, and then moving on to get your master's from Oklahoma State in 2003, and then you served as a grad assistant and then basketball operations assistant for Oklahoma State for the Cowboys, then under head coach Eddie Sutton. Bring me back to that time period where you got your master's and then immediately started working in athletics and had and, and had the opportunity and the pleasure of working with Eddie Sutton at the time at Oklahoma State. Yeah, so, you know, you, you mentioned Valiant. So so I grew up uh, in uh, born and raised there in Valiant, Oklahoma. And, uh, it's a town of about 800, uh, and I lived about 10 miles from town on, on uh, 80 acres. And so, um, you know, very rural part of the state uh, and uh, certainly uh, far away from any of the bright lights of college athletics and wasn't necessarily something I was, I was focused on and uh, really wanted to go to Oklahoma State uh, out of high school, but um, I was a first-generation college student. Both my parents uh, worked very hard, but they didn't have a lot of money, and so I had a I had a full ride at Southeastern Oklahoma State, which is a smaller regional university. Uh, the alumni alums there include myself, Reba McIntyre, and Dennis Rodman. So that's quite the eclectic uh, group. And uh, really, I had I had a chance there to get involved in college athletics i was a student assistant for the men's basketball team and um i I enjoyed that so much i decided i wanted to be a graduate assistant and um that's a long story how how that developed but got an opportunity to work for coach sutton and um it it was just such a wonderful experience he you know he was somebody who uh is in my opinion is one of the great uh coaches uh 
of all time uh, in uh, in college basketball, and um, you know, just learned a lot about uh, how important it is to to uh, instill a culture uh, to 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 recruit the pieces uh, that that you need to to make a program to define roles for people in in your organization and to sell them on the importance of those roles and then hold them accountable uh, for fulfilling those roles and so. Uh, it, it was a great, great experience. Um, it helped me, uh, you know, not only uh, develop as an administrator, and uh, I would go on from there to be a, a head coach for a couple of years in, in, in uh, NAI. But, uh, you know, I, so I not only grew as a coach and administrator, but I really grew uh, as a person. I mean, he, he, he definitely was somebody who had high expectations and did not mind to uh, call you out if you weren't meeting those and so uh you know i, I think i grew up more in in that two-year uh what ended up being four-year period after my graduate assistantship but uh in that four-year period than probably uh, all the other years of my life combined you know and, and you went on there like you said growing up then then at age 26 in 2005 you became principal and athletic director for Valiant Public Schools, a youngest principal in Oklahoma history. Just what you can say about that decision to move there in 2005 after working at Oklahoma State and what it was like for you to experience being a principal and an athletics director at only 26 years old. You know, I... Part, part of the main the main reason for the move um, was I was getting married. Heather and I, uh, you know, were uh, uh, about to uh, get married. She's from Duran, Oklahoma, which is uh, uh, also a, a small town, and so um, that took us a little bit closer to home. And um, you know, those jobs, if you weren't on the court and on the court coach at that time uh, those jobs uh, in college athletics didn't pay much now they do but at the time they didn't pay a lot and so uh, I was really looking at how can I um, make a little more money to provide uh, a better uh, you know better living for my family and then uh, the uh, uh, Debbie Golden who was uh, my high school student council advisor had worked her way up into principal and eventually superintendent and so she just kept recruiting me to the job. I told her no a couple of times, and um, she wouldn't take no for an answer. And so, um, you know, it was a that was a great experience. I'll never forget going in to tell Coach Sutton uh, that I was going to take that job. He said, "He said you belong in college athletics, and this is the dumbest decision a smart mm-hmm. person ever made." And, uh, and and he's right. I shouldn't have been able to get back into college athletics. That should have probably. Uh, you know, segue. But for me, growing up in a small town, um, I always thought if I wound up one day as a principal and athletic director, maybe eventually a school superintendent, that was the path I was thinking about. And so I just saw it as a chance to fast forward on that path. I didn't really think about uh, the um, prospects of, of college athletics. So um, it was that was a great experience. I went back to my hometown to do that and so uh, here I am a principal having to evaluate classroom teachers twice a year when they knew not only did they know that I hadn't really taught in the classroom a lot I did some adjunct professor work at at Oklahoma State when I was there Um, uh, but uh, you know they also I mean I was 26 these some of these teachers had taught me um, 
you know, eight, nine years before. And so, uh, and, and now I'm sitting there evaluating them on something that uh, they know full well that they probably have uh, more experience than me. So uh, it was a great opportunity to grow up in a hurry. Um, it was a great opportunity to learn how to compete to people when really deep down inside you're very much intimidated um and uh so as i would do as i would get other opportunities later um at young ages people always would want to talk about you know aren't you kind of young for the job or you know and and how does it feel to have uh all of your employees that are older than you and and those kind of comments but the reality is right out of the gate that that opportunity back home um was probably as intimidating of one as, as you could ever put in front of me. And so after that, everything seemed easy. Yeah, you know, and so you have that very unique experience. And I want to stay with that for a second. When you're now overseeing people that were teaching you, was it, was it hard for you to maybe command respect? Was it hard for you to establish leadership? What did you learn about yourself because it's a test at any point to be a leader and to be the head of something, be a principal, be an athletics director, be a CEO, president, whatever it may be. When you have the opportunity to do that, especially you at 26 with people that were teaching you and saw you grow up and they knew you in the community, how did that challenge you and how did that kind of maybe bring out the best in you? Well, I think what what those situations do is... um you know, force you to one, be uncomfortable. And I think anytime you're uncomfortable that, that, uh, you know, there, there's growth that occurs there, you know, in, in any facet in life. Um, but two, um, I think I was just bound and determined to show people that my heart was in the right place, that I was genuine and authentic, that I was going to outwork people, um, and uh, that I really cared about about the kids in our school and, and helping develop them. And, and uh, you know, it, uh, it's interesting because of my age and there were some internal candidates when I got hired for that job, the board uh, actually voted three, two. Uh, and, uh, you know, you never, uh, it's not ideal to enter a job, uh, with a split board. Uh, but you know, at the end of that first year, um, uh, they had extended me five Oh, now I ended up getting a chance, uh, to go start the athletic programs at Roger state. Um, but I, I do feel like I learned and grew, uh, enough during that time to, to gain the confidence of, of the leadership, uh, there at the school. And, uh, you know, when you're in your hometown, especially a small town, like I'm, like I'm from, um, your reputation there means a lot. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I felt like I, I went in there and worked hard and, and I won't say it was mistake free, um, but I think people um, when I left there felt like uh, I made things better. I worked really hard and I, and I, and I did the right thing, uh, even if they didn't always agree with it. That coming from Ren Baker, VP and Director of Athletics at the University of North Texas. Uh, from there, after moving on uh, from 2006 to 2011, you were the first ever athletic director at Rogers State in Claremont, Oklahoma, and you also were the first men's basketball coach there. You have a lot of firsts, Rand, when we're looking at this, you know, historical moments that you were the precedent. You were the the inaugural coach. You were the inaugural athletics director. You know, you, you started something as opposed to taking something that was already there. 
what does that mean to you overall as kind of a, a life's journey for you that you've been a torch bearer instead of someone who's being passed the torch? You're the one that's kind of lighting the torch and then carrying it for the first time. What has that been like for you throughout your tenure as an individual in athletics? And then at the same time, uh, what do you remember from Roger State? You know, in terms of um, what does it mean, I think it means more now uh, reflecting back than it did at the time. Uh, To be completely candid, I probably was um, too naive and inexperienced to realize how how in over my head I might have been. And uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, a great support system around me uh, there at Roger State. The, the president that hired me there um, was a very, very good leader, uh, really cared about developing people, very supportive. Um, and uh, then I was able to build a team around me of, of people that were really, really good. And a lot of those people have went on to have very uh, successful careers. Uh, some uh, are still there at Roger State, but many have moved on to have uh, some great uh, careers at other places. And so, um, you know, I, I think you look back and you realize just how many people uh, were a part of, of the successes that you had. And you're grateful uh, that, uh, you know, the combination of, of God and fate brought those people uh, into your life to, to allow you to, to have some success. You know, I think the opportunity at Roger State, as I mentioned, and I've reflected back over the years by being the first person there and, and actually starting all the sports program and recruiting all of the support staff and trainers and SIDs and all of those folks. And then uh, also recruiting all the coaches, um, you know, people come in believing in the vision, believing in me as a leader, believing in what we were, where we were trying to go. Um, and I probably didn't realize how much that got us off to, uh, to a great start. I mean, I think when I left there, we had about a 70% winning percentage. Um, and then I went to Northwest Missouri State, which is a, a great Division two program. And people are not near as receptive to some of my ideas, but that's because they had already been winning at a high level and, and I was the new kid on the block. And so I probably wasn't in real time as uh, as understanding of how what an advantage it was to to bring people in, and and conversely, we could be really aggressive at Roger State because there was no expectations, um, because no one had ever done it before, and so we could live on the edge a little bit, not not be afraid of offending tradition, not be worried about um, how we've always done it because nobody had ever done it that way or done it at all, and so. Um, you know, I think those looking back, that was it was a real advantage for me. Uh, and then the last thing it really helped me do was um, understand how all the pieces of an athletic program fit together. You know, you, I understood compliance very well because we went from zero people in compliance to one and we went from NAI to the start to transition to Division two while I was there. And, um, and, you know, I understood finance and budgeting because I built every budget. Uh, from uh, from zero and so all of those were great opportunities but probably the thing that's helped me most as an ad was that experience coaching uh because um 
you know, head coaches sometimes can can uh, be a lot to manage. Um, and uh, but I understand that because I was one, and I, so I know kind of how tunnel vision they are, how focused on the outcomes for their program they are, uh, and um, you know, and so I, I've never. You know, I've never been one to get real frustrated with the way that head coaches are. I think that's something a lot of administrators struggle with. But I just think back to how I thought about things and how I processed things when I coached. And it was much different, um, even though I was a coach and AD at the time. It was much different when I was just an AD uh, than when I was doing when I was also coaching. That coming here from Ren Baker, VP and Director of Athletics at the University of North Texas on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside the Cafe Kubal Studios. I'm so honored, Ren, as I'm sitting here listening to you, you know, the incredible history that you've had and the journey that has taken you to this conversation that we're having today as, you know, North Texas is going to be moving into a new chapter here very soon. But before we get to that, you had the opportunity to be at Memphis around 2013 to 2015 when they were transitioning into the American Athletic Conference, the irony of being at the University of Memphis when they were becoming an American Athletic Conference team and now being at North Texas when you're becoming an American Athletic Conference team. What can you say about those parallels? And and what did you think about the American Athletic back when you were at Memphis? Well, you know, even taking a step back to when I interviewed for this job, uh, you know, the turnaround that uh, we had at Memphis specifically uh, with the football program was uh, was certainly a discussion point. And, you know, I, I talked about alignment earlier, um, and that certainly was something that had uh, come together at Memphis at the time. Uh, just, just great alignment and a vision for making the program – comprehensively great as opposed to, to just being great in, in uh, men's basketball. And so, um, you know, and then as they were transitioning uh, into the American, um, you know, it was a, a lot of peaks and valleys because we were at that time uh, headed into the Big East. And then, um, you know, that kind of fell apart. We were looking at one revenue model and, and uh, then we had another model to look at and uh, Commissioner Resco's done a great job of, of, of putting the league together, branding the league, uh, having success. All the members have done a great job of building success and then building back up the uh, revenue because uh, we, we had a few years there where the revenue uh, off of television was, was not much. And so, um, you know, I, I think all of those lessons um, and that familiarity with the league um, well before we were looking at the opportunity to come into the league. But when I came in here to talk about how we build this program the right way, that experience was definitely uh, mentioned both directly, but also uh, woven indirectly into a lot of the talking points uh, that I had um, on, we would turn our program around and, and, and start to have more success. And so uh, it is, it's, it's, it's uh, surreal for, for me a little bit. And uh, I'm excited to uh, get a chance to be back in the American again, because I, uh, I really enjoyed the league uh, the first time around and it'll be fun uh, just to, to now get a chance to take a program into the league. Yeah. You know, and, and being a part of that back in Memphis, this is a very important Question, Ren, so I want you to think about this. You're in the state of Texas now. You were in Tennessee and Memphis. Who has the best barbecue and why? You know, that it is a great question. Um, and and uh, 
and I also was was uh, twice lived in the state of Missouri, so Kansas City would definitely want to uh, have a have a uh, point to make in this conversation as well. I think what I would tell you is, uh, I probably lean towards Texas barbecue, but only because I'm more of a beef uh, barbecue guy than pork. And so, um, if I was gonna, eat, but if I was gonna eat uh, pork uh, barbecue, it would definitely be Memphis. Uh, but Texas kind of specializes um, in beef barbecue, and uh, and so I probably lean a little bit, uh, a little bit towards Texas. And it, it doesn't hurt that that's where uh, that's the state in which my paycheck currently comes from. <laughs> you know, and for those that haven't been to Denton, Texas, what can you tell us about the area of Texas you're in? Such a giant state, so many different uh, pieces. I mean, basically, uh, to be in the state of Texas, there's there's so many pieces of the pie and there's so many schools that are looking to advance themselves and elevate themselves. What can you tell us about Denton, Texas, where the University of North Texas is located? Well, uh, let's first just talk about um, geographically where it is. Now it is, it's pretty much halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth um, and a little bit north. So if you were to draw a triangle, um, that included Dallas and Fort Worth and Denton, it would be almost a perfect uh, triangle. Um, it is. Uh, it has all the advantages of both of those cities in the entire metroplex. You can get about anywhere in 45 minutes or so, um, but yet we have our own sense of identity, um, and uh, Denton has uh, the traditional uh, town square that you think of when you think of, of small Texas towns, yet you know, we're sitting here rapidly growing towards a couple hundred thousand just in Denton. Um, everybody, probably everybody listening knows that uh, Texas is one of the most rapidly growing states, but, but this area of Texas is the hottest area in the entire United States. This corridor that is between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth extending up north to the Oklahoma border is, is some of the fastest growing uh, uh areas in the entire uh, country there's cranes everywhere there's a building boom there's highways being built but yet uh here in denton um uh, it's it still feels like a small town and you still see a lot of the same people and um you know you still have that town square feel where a lot of people hang out uh we have two universities here uh we have uh, of course the university of north texas which uh, we sit here with about 43,000 students. Um, and then uh, we also have Texas Women's uh, University, uh, which is the largest university that uh, is specifically geared towards educating females in the United States. And I think they're at about 13 or 14,000 students. So between the two, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, in excess of 50, almost 60,000 uh, students. And so uh, there's a lot of uh, youth, and, and energy and and uh, and just that entire vibe going on uh, here in Denton, and people will really enjoy the restaurants, the music scene, the entertainment scene. Um, and then if they do want to, you know, get over to see uh, anything that's in Dallas Fort Worth, they'll have the, the ability to do that very easily. Yeah, you know, and, and it's a great description of that, and I appreciate that. You have made me excited for music, hungry for food. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of I'm sitting here right now. And at the time that we're talking about this, our weather is totally different. 
And I'm just wondering, Ren, why I haven't been officially invited to the University of North Texas, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, consider this invitation. We would love, we would love to have you down. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, the weather here is, uh, is great. Uh, it gets hot in the summer, but uh, as somebody who's lived, uh, I, I had uh, two and a half years in northwest Missouri, which actually gets closer to Omaha weather than uh, Kansas City weather. And, and for those that may not know, Omaha is kind of uh, quietly one of the coldest major cities uh, in the United States. And so um, I, uh, I would rather be hot. Uh, in the summer uh, than freezing cold uh, in the winter. So, um, you know, I uh, we'd love to have you here. The weather's beautiful most of the year. Uh, we may have a snow every four to five years, but uh, it's pretty rare. And, uh, you know, we, there's lots of lakes and water parks and, and uh, all kinds of things like that to do. So uh, we definitely are looking forward to having people down. Uh, coming from Ren Baker. Ren, before I let you go, you brought up Missouri uh, your time there around 2015, takeaways from from being at Missouri, knowing the prominence that they have in collegiate athletics right before you ended up coming in and, and taking the job at the University of North Texas, what can you say that last moment was for you before you stepped into North Texas? Well, it was a pleasure to be at, at Missouri and in the SEC, first of all. And I got a chance to work with Mac Rhodes, who's one of my best friends and mentors and, um, you know, somebody who's... Uh, really kind of quietly and in a low-key way established himself as, as uh, one of the best ADs in the country, in my opinion. Um, and uh, so it was a great opportunity. Uh, the University of Missouri uh, is known for producing uh, a lot of athletic administrators and specifically athletic directors. I don't know that there's been any institution that's had more more people leave, leave an, that institution to be an AD than anywhere. Uh, than anywhere. And so um, it was, uh, you know, it was really good to go through there and see what all the different ads who had been in the uh, who had been there and sat in the those chairs before I was there all all the different decisions they had made and the growth and progress. But I think specifically relative to to this job, it was just good for me to to have been in Division Two and then at and, and at Memphis and then at Missouri and then coming in a, a, to UNT um, to have a chance to see what people do with the resources scaled to, to different levels and different budgets. And so I was able to come in and say, Hey, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, a power five budget, but here's some things we can do that provides a power five experience or autonomy five. And, um, and, uh, you know, and so, uh, now, uh, as we look, uh, as we look at being a member of the power six, uh, I, I plan to continue to, to use those, uh, those lessons and, and, uh, really that perspective, but, uh, it definitely was a chance for me to, to, to see, um, you know, what, uh, what you can get, uh, with an SEC TV contract, what what we were able to do at Memphis, uh, and and then uh, come come here to North Texas and scale everything in a way that where we got the most efficiency and the most bang for a buck, and and I think you know the results have been really good. Do you believe in the Power Six narrative? I mean, having been a part of the Power Five, having been outside of that in the quote unquote Group of Five, do you believe there is a Power Six and what Commissioner Mike Oresco of the American Athletic Conference speaking on Power Six, which is a media term, uh, speaking on Autonomous Six, which is a legislative term, the Autonomy Group. Do you believe that 
the American Athletic Conference is making a, the right case for Power Six, making a, a justifiable case for Power Six, and 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 do you believe that there could be autonomy for the American Athletic Conference? Are you? I know they're two different things because one's media, one's legislative, like I mentioned. But do you believe Power Six, Autonomy Six, is is a real thing that has justification in facts as you step into the American Athletic Conference? I, I do. I mean, I think I think the American Conference has has proven uh, through repeated uh, results and metrics to to be competitive on any given year uh, with those other five conferences. Um, and uh, from the media perspective, the Power Six branding, um, you know, I, I, I support it. Um, and uh, you know, if I did, Mike might. Uh, revoke our invitation, but uh, I, uh, I think it's earned. I think, you know, early on, uh, you know, Mike and others probably spoke it into existence, um, but they, they've since backed it up. And I, I don't think when you look at the results, um, even including this year, uh, they speak for, for themselves. Um, in terms of the actual legislative part uh, and, and, the, CIA, and the, the way that the CFP could potentially be structured. Um, I don't believe we should have any system in place that makes it inherently impossible for some teams to participate in the postseason. Um, uh, I, I think at this point in time, um, you know, we should be about giving opportunities to young people who've earned it uh, and earned it on the field or on the court or, you know, we're uh, through competition. Um, and so any uh, designation or, or, or system that um, just makes it inherently unfair, if not impossible, uh, for, for over half of the membership to participate in, in a postseason opportunity uh, uh, for a championship, to me, um, that's not right. And so uh, I, I do think as we go through, uh, you know, with the Constitution rewrite and then ultimately the bylaws that will be rewritten for Division One and FBS uh, and then the CFP restructuring, I think we ought to do that uh, with providing uh, opportunities to young people, regardless of how big their television contract is, uh, should be at the forefront of those conversations. You know, and I think that that was such a well put answer, and I appreciate that you gave some layers to that lasagna. You know, to to really speak about what what this could mean as we step forward in the future. Because you know, I've spoken with Mike Oresco, the commissioner commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, like I said, from the institution of the conference, and even before, and all he speaks are facts, and and what I'm confused by is, you know, why a Cincinnati, uh, why a UCF of a couple of years ago had to, you know, they go 25-0, and 0, they lose their first game, and, and people are like, oh, see, that's why they're out. And and why the college football playoff comes out, you know, with rankings this year, and we see that Cincinnati, who's two in the AP and two in the coaches' poll, is sixth in, in the college football playoff. And that would never happen to Alabama. That would never happen to Georgia. Wouldn't happen to LSU. Wouldn't happen to Clemson. Wouldn't happen to Ohio State. So, you know, I, I think that there's there's logic and then there's kind of this, you know, country club that it feels like some people aren't invited to. Uh, do you feel that the college football playoff has to essentially then be expanded 
to the 12 that maybe we're, we're talking about here. So the American has a fighting chance. I mean, are, are we living in a world where expansion is the only answer? Uh, unfortunately, I think we are because um, outside of expansion, there's just no way uh, that those conferences uh, that are higher resourced are, are going to give up an advantage. And, um, you know, it, it, people can point to strength of schedule and say, well, this is such a fair metric. But the reality is when you have higher resources uh, as a whole in your conference, you're buying all of these non-conference games. And and not only are you getting the benefit of home field advantage when you have more resources, uh, but you're also very often picking opponents that you know you match up well um against them in terms of uh, your strengths and their strengths. Um, and while that's not uh, – sometimes, you know, there's outliers because scheduling's done so far in advance. Generally speaking, that's what people uh, – that's what people are doing. So when you aggregate all of the non-conference games across – uh, across the conferences, even though an individual team like Cincinnati may be winning all of their games, um, they're weighted down by non-conference. I mean, by conference opponents who didn't fare as well in the non-conference because, as a whole, their the system disadvantages them. And so, I think the only way to fix that is going to be to go with the expanded playoff and and the, and a certain number of um, of uh, conference champions that goes beyond five. Uh, being involved in that and um, you know I, I think uh, I, I, and I'm hopeful that we're going to get to uh, a system that provides that opportunity I, it, we really we we need to get away from a system where um, you know over half of the 130 FBS members have no realistic path uh, into the into the playoff for a championship yeah, and I and I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I I've jokingly but seriously said that the college football playoff every year is Alabama, usually Clemson, another SEC school, and then either the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, and sometimes the Big Twelve. So you know, there it, it, there's not enough space for everybody. It doesn't adequately represent America and what college football is, and so I think it needs to change. But before I let you go here, here with Ren Baker, a VP and Director of Athletics for the University of North Texas, and our time together's flown by because there's so much to talk about, Ren. I'm going to have to have you back on the show. This, you know, it's, it's fitting we talked about barbecue because I feel like our conversation has been like, you know, been like one of the platters, you know, and I feel like we've only gotten to the ribs and not even the pork, but there's still the beans and the cornbread and the corn. So we, we definitely... Uh, we'll have to continue it. But before I let you go, why do you think the American wanted North Texas? What was the conversation like with Mike Oresco? What made you feel like North Texas was a desired school to come to the American Athletic Conference? What was kind of the selling point that you had? And why do you think the American bought it? Well, uh, you know, I think more than anything else, it was that we did, had experienced success across several sports. Um, you know, and, and our football program the last couple of years hasn't uh, been what we'd like for it to be. We had in 17 and 18 back-to-back nine-win seasons, and uh, then we've uh, struggled a little bit uh, uh, since then. But, uh, you know, I, I think when, when I – would speak to to Mike and others uh, in the conference ads, and and when my presidents would speak with presidents, I think people looked uh, at uh, 
the success we've had across our sports. They looked at, at a very rapidly emerging academic profile. Um, you know, we're a Carnegie Tier 1 research institution, but we're one of only 18 that's designated as both a minority-serving institution and a Hispanic-serving institution. And so, um, you know, we're a diverse uh, community that also uh, prides ourselves on on both access and, and excellence. Um, so I think that factored in. And then, uh, you know, the last thing is, is, is really over the past five years, uh, we've been benchmarking uh, the American as much as we benchmarked Conference USA, even though we were members of Conference USA. And so when you look at what we pay our coaches, what we pay our support staff, what we pay our assistant coaches, we looked uh, we look like an American institution. And that's one of the things that Mike said in our conversation is, you know, Candace, you're one of the schools uh, and, and one of a few that's not promising the investment you will make. You have demonstrated that you're going to make the investment. And uh, so I think that give Mike some comfort. Uh, and it probably doesn't help that uh, we're down the road from uh, headquarters here and, and in the number five uh, DMA in the country. That, those probably were positive mm-hmm. attributes we had as well. But uh, for what, whatever the reasons were, we're, we're certainly very, very glad that we have the opportunity. And it's something I can tell you our fan base, our student athletes, our coaches is very excited about. Yeah, you know, and I think it's incredible to, to have this uh, kind of quick hitters toward the uh, conclusion of our conversation, Ren. I know that as a VP and a director of athletics, these all can can kind of branch out into major conversations. But as you've dealt in the last 18 months and some change with the pandemic, within the pandemic, name, image, and likeness, within that, the transfer portal, within that realignment, how have you as a leader navigated name, image, and likeness, which is unprecedented, the pandemic, which is unprecedented, the transfer portal and college football and really college athletic free agency, which is unprecedented, and, you know, realignment, which was precedent, you know, has has preceded us, but, you know, is happening again. With all of these new things, plus the, the, the threat of realignment that Oklahoma and Texas, just two schools out of 130 when it comes to college football, Division One A, FBS, that... All they had to do was make a move, and that earthquake was felt around the country. When we see all of these things going on, how do you handle that as a leader at North Texas, knowing that three out of those four things, like I said, had never happened before, and the one thing that had happened before causes such a disruption to the world of college sports? Yeah, I I think the one thing, uh, in college athletics, you have to remember is the only thing that changes is everything changes. And so you have to be malleable. You have to listen. You have to listen with the intent to learn uh, and, and then rely on uh, the people around you, both our staff here, but also the network of professionals um, uh, the, that's around the conference and in the, in the country um, to, to learn as much as you can. Um, and, and that's probably one of the areas where I've changed the most going back to, we talked earlier about Roger state is learning that, uh, I'm don't need to be, and shouldn't be the expert in everything. I don't have to do everything. I can rely on people who, um, are, you know, are more talented than I am in certain areas that have more experience, more understanding, more knowledge. And then, you know, and to listen like on name, image, and likeness to listen to our student athletes, let them tell us what we can do to educate and, and support them and in those endeavors and and uh 
So, you know, I really think it's just uh, being focused on uh, understanding that no two days are going to be alike. You have to be malleable. You have to listen and uh, and to lean on other people uh, to, to put together the best solution to any issues that come at you. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, as you step forward, like you said, if, if any, and when it comes to collegiate athletics, <laughs> the, the the reality is that everything changes, you know, if, and, and that's, that's the truth. You know, there, there is always kind of the, it's like, it's like weather, you know, there, there's the, yeah, it could be sunny or there could be hell. And I think that we've had to kind of navigate and understand that to the best of our ability and maybe having a bunch of things happen at the same time after things had already happened a couple of years ago, it kind of creates this ability to, to live in a controlled chaos, so to speak, because it's not out of the realm of possibility that things are a little bit crazy. But I do want to say this before I let you go, because God is awesome and God is good. And last season you went up against Purdue of the big 10 and North Texas won their first men's basketball NCAA tournament game in 2021 when you faced off against them 78 to 69 in overtime and watching that game with you being out there as a 13 seed up against a four seed at Purdue I just think it's cool that I watch these games and I think, wow, that's incredible. And now a few months later, I get to actually talk to the VP and director of athletics at North Texas to officially say, congratulations on making March Madness ever so mad and ever so crazy. And I love when moments like this happen. So I'm happy that I finally get to say to you, congratulations on that. Well, thank you very much. That was that uh, was uh, one of the highlights for sure. Uh, of my time here and really probably my career as, as a whole just to, uh, partly because the year before that team won the conference championship regular season and certain and what was going to be a favorite was the one seed was it was a favorite to win the conference tournament uh, and then COVID shut everything down and uh, I remember going into their uh, locker room right after that announcement come out uh, they were over practicing at the uh, at the Coliseum and um, and uh, they were uh, distraught and devastated and so to see them get to come back and we had a chance to win the league regular season again and, and uh, uh, lost uh, two games at home to UAB to end, uh, to end the year that ended up actually not only did we uh, not win the league but it forced us to not even get a bye in the first round which makes it next to impossible to win the conference tournament uh, but these, uh, these, these guys wouldn't be uh, you know they would not be denied, so they ran through uh, murder murder's row uh, in the conference tournament, won the conference tournament, and drew that seed against the local favorite and the team that uh, had all kinds of size. If you follow Big Ten basketball, specifically Purdue, I mean they were they were a huge team in terms of just physical, uh, physically uh, imposing, and and we played just outstanding basketball to uh, beat them, and and uh, you know it was one of those uh, moments in the tournament that everybody remembers and everybody loves. And uh, Javion Hamlin, our point guard, his dad was the one in the uh, stands with the uh, iPad uh, filming all of the game. But I walked back uh, from the uh, from the arena uh, to the hotel with next to him, and he might have been the biggest celebrity in town. People were coming off the street saying, I just saw you on TV, and you know, to your son and uh, so those moments are special and coming off the uh, coming off of COVID that was particularly special for our fan base yeah and you've been a part overall in in your career as an athletic director with almost 20 
head coaching searches, and your coaches have won around 70% of their games. Let me ask you this, Ren, in closing. How are you the head coach whisperer? Because to find somebody that wins more than 70% or more than 50% of their games is a positive. But head coaching vacancies and searches can be very nerve-wracking. And you know it. You're, you know you're going to take a swing and you might whiff. You might hit a home run. You might get on base. You might end up bunting the ball and hoping that you can outrun the pitcher. So when you're going for these head coaching searches, just what maybe some of your – don't give away all your secrets, obviously. I don't want you to do that. But what some of the key things are that you look for because you've had so much success in finding a head coach – and I know it from almost 20 years of being a broadcaster and being in this business, it's very, very difficult to find the right head coach, yet you've been able to have a lot of success in doing that. Yeah, it's surprising. You know, over the last few years, people have have trended to want to hire external ADs and and fundraisers and stuff, which I have a lot of that in my background. But I've always said, like, the most important thing, uh, number one quality in in an AD uh, is their ability to be able to hire quality people and specifically head coaches. It's a lot easier to market and fundraise for winning programs than it is for programs in our, um, you know, I, I, I think in terms of, of, uh, you know, keys is, uh, I think every one of them, I feel an enormous amount of pressure and I do not ever, uh, no matter how many successful head coaching hires that you might make, I don't think anybody can ever feel confident. Um, you know, there's so many, uh, elements and so many things that factor in, uh, to rather the coach is, is a success, um, and perceived to be successful. And so, uh, when we have one, um, I clear the calendar. I focus on that and only that. And uh, I devote 10, 12, 14 hours a day until I'm comfortable that we're uh, making the best decision, knowing that there is no perfect decision, uh, but that you're, that we're making the best decision. And, you know, I think the other thing that I've always tried to do is if, if we're going to have a new coach come in, uh, we're going to Hit, we're going to find the money to hit reset to give them all of the bullets and that they need uh, to uh, to go into battle. And um, you know, I, I think too often we we hire people uh, and we expect better results for less. Uh, we're looking to cut budget. We're looking to save money. Um, and uh, you know, those are some of the financial realities we deal with sometimes. But but the reality uh, is, if you if you really want to ensure somebody has success. Uh, do a thorough assessment of, of what your resources and, and strengths look like relative to your competition and then bring somebody in and uh, and equip them with what they need to compete. And that's always been the formula that we've used. And, um, you know, I will say that we haven't uh, had, uh, you know, you take men's basketball. It looks great now. Um, but year two and year three was, uh, was a little bit uh, – uh, you know, especially year two, I think Coach McCasland started off thirteen and zero, and then ended up losing like eight to nine, and 
people were moaning and groaning and nobody thought that uh, we had hit a home run during that moment in time. But I always had confidence in him because I knew uh, the way that he did it, he was doing things was the right right way. He had a plan. He was executing a plan and we were resourcing him with the bullets that he needed to, to go in, uh, go into battle. And, and ultimately uh, he's been a, a smashing success for us. And we're very fortunate that we've been able to keep him here. So uh, I, I think that's, that's the formula and i say that uh knowing full well that uh there is no uh there is no guarantee and that uh it, you know even the greats jeremy foley joke stickling on me they have uh they may have got most of the hires right but no one gets them uh no one no one escapes this this life without uh, this career without getting one or two wrong along the ways and i'm just always doing whatever i can to make sure that the next one's not not one that we get wrong that coming here from Ren Baker, VP and Director of Athletics at the University of North Texas for the Mean Green here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Ren, it has been my honor and my privilege to have you on the show today. I loved being on the live video conference on my birthday on October 21st when the announcement was made. You were all smiles. You looked very excited and very happy to be a part of it. And I, I got to tell you, you just you just look like a big kid that was, you know, that got some good news and was looking forward to the opportunity. So I want to say you made a great first impression. I'm so very honored that you spent so much time here with me on the show today. And I would love the opportunity to have you back on the show. And I do very much mean that I would love to come down to the University of North Texas and get to see you face to face and get to take a tour of the campus as well. We'd love to have you and we look forward to doing it. And I'll come on uh, with you anytime. And uh, I appreciate you having me and, and all of the uh, incoming schools on, on uh, the program. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, well, I'm listening to all of them so I can make sure that I'm taking notes on what they're doing and we're doing, we're doing something as good or better.